This morning, I want to preach a sermon I've titled, By One Man, By One Man. And we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 5 this morning. Actually, we're going to go back to Genesis for a bit, but we'll start off in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over the uh, similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as of the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And this morning, I want to focus on that phrase, by one man. And in that last verse that we read, it says, For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, but praise God, it says, So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Uh, So first of all, this morning, I want to focus on the first a uh, person that was mentioned in here was, and it's referring to Adam. So if you turn back to Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter two this morning. Verse 16 and 17, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And jump over to um, chapter 3. Excuse me, I'm going to turn this on. Chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And let's pray this morning as we begin. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all that we can glean from it, Lord. And we thank you for by one man that we can be saved. And I pray this morning as we look at that, Lord, that you'd speak through me and that your message be lifted up, Lord, and that all would be done to your glory this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So here in Genesis, we see this first account of the first man, Adam. And if you jump back to chapter 1, we see the creation account, and we see all the days when God created the heaven and the earth, and the light and darkness, and the sky, and the land and seas. And um, he goes, we, it goes through, and it comes down to when God created man. You know, aren't, we, aren't you glad that we have a book that tells us what happens? I remember listening to the debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham, and Bill Nye was asked the question, or was uh, being asked, you know, well, what, where did the things come from when the Big Bang happened? And he was being questioned, and he said, we're not too sure, and we wish there was some way we can go back and look, or there's some kind of record. And Ken Ham said, there is a book. Amen? There is a book that tells us what happened. And I'm glad we have the Bible to tell us that we were created in six days and not formed over billions of years by chance. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, Um, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat." And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And look at this. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You know, I'm glad that we have a purpose in life. And I'm glad that God knew me before I was born. I'm not just here by chance. I'm not someone who just merely exists. But God has a plan for my life. And just like everyone in this room, he has a plan for your life. We are all made with a specific reason by God, not just here by chance. You know, and some Christians 
are so bogged down by these studies and about the theory of evolution that some don't fully believe what the Bible says. It causes them to doubt, uh, which we'll look at in a minute, how Satan casts doubt in our lives. And things like that cause some Christians to doubt. And, you know, some Christians will try to justify it and will try to fit that theory in with what the Bible says. And some will say, hey, you know what, maybe God created the world, but he stepped back and let it form over millions of years. But like we read in verse 31, God said it was very good. And it was on the sixth day. He didn't need more time. He didn't need to let the world evolve. God created the world in six days, and he created each and every one of us for a purpose. But as we read in our passage this morning, in this paradise that he had created for Adam and Eve as he walked with them, things didn't stay perfect. And I want to focus on the first half of this message, this story of Adam, what's referred to as the fall of man. And we see how by one man... It affects all of us today. So first of all, this morning, I want you to notice the sin. The sin. When God created man, he created man with a free will. He didn't want us to be robots. He, did, he, he wanted man to love him. Just in our lives, we want our children to love us. It's something that's natural. It's not, it's not something that we would want to have to force someone to love you or you wouldn't want your spouse to have to be forced to love you or be forced to say they love you because it's something they're supposed to or something that they're programmed to. But no, it's natural. It's not robotic. And that's how God created it. He created man with a free will. So we see that Adam and Eve had this free will in the garden. And God wanted them to naturally love God. He wanted them to have fellowship with God. He wanted them to desire to obey God. And we see that God placed them in the garden called Eden. Uh, if you read in uh, verse 9 of chapter 2, and says they had all the trees around that they could eat from and all the animals to take care of. And best of all, they had God to fellowship day by day. But besides take care of the animals and to walk with each other and God, they had one commandment, and that was don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was it. Of any other tree in the garden, you may eat freely from it. But in chapter 3, here we see that they were enticed. And we see in uh, chapter 3, Satan comes in the form of a serpent or a snake. And can I tell you one of my secrets today? I hate Snakes. I absolutely despise snakes. If I see one on TV, I'll change the channel. If I'm in a store or any zoo, I do not want to see the snakes. My uh, parents grew up in Guyana, South uh, America, and they have lots of snakes there. And my dad told me lots of snake stories. He told me about the time that an anaconda tried to attack my uncle's legs. Do any of you guys have an uncle that everything happens to them in the stories? He was that uncle. And he was kicking his feet in the water, and the anaconda came and tried to get my uncle. My grandpa actually had to kill the snake. Or the one time I actually went to Guyana, I only visited there once, and we went swimming at this resort area, and the water was had a black sand. So they called it black water. You couldn't see what you were swimming in. And I'm having a grand old time. I'm swimming in the water. And we were noticing the whole time there's all these signs that were way back from the beach that said, 
do not bring food past this point. And we're like, well, why can't we bring the food a little bit closer? And we asked one of the people that were working there, and they said, well, we don't want the anacondas to smell the food and swim across from the jungle on the other side. And that was the moment I got out of the water that day. I hate snakes. And we see that Satan here comes in the form of snake, of a snake. And Satan deceives them. We see that Satan casts doubt upon the word of God. And he tells them, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. God doesn't really mean that you're going to die. You're not going to be punished. And it's amazing because right here in the beginning, Satan still has that same old playbook today. And he tries to entice us with sin. And he tries to tell us, you know what? You're not really going to get in trouble. God actually doesn't really care. And he tries to entice us. He tries to tell us we don't need to listen to God and to cast doubt on the word of God. So we see here that Adam and Eve eat of this forbidden fruit, and we see what is called the fall of man, the first sin. And in Romans 12, like we read, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. That sin right there in the garden, that one man affects us all today. We are all born sinners. Each and every one of us here today was born a sinner. You know what, that truth's never been more real to me than when I had Simon. I don't have to teach Simon to do wrong. You know, I see Simon doing certain things. I don't need to say, who taught you that? It's something that he was born with. I don't need to teach him to have a wrong attitude or just different things in his lives. Or even the worst is when you see things that you've done in your life, things that you did as a child, and you see it in him, you know that he was born a sinner and that sin was passed down. So first this morning, we see the sin, but second, I want you to notice the shame. The shame. In verse 7, it says, The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And we see them hiding here. Their eyes were open. They knew that they had disobeyed God. They knew that they had done wrong. And we see that they covered themselves out of the shame of being naked. And we see that they sewed fig leaves together and made aprons to cover themselves. And we see that they hid or at least tried to hide themselves from God. And they tried to hide because they disobeyed. And they tried to hide because they were ashamed. You know, when you see a child who does wrong, there's usually no sight of them. They're sitting in the house. That happened a few weeks ago. We're sitting in the house. We had some friends over. And for a good solid ten minutes, before we noticed it, it was really quiet. And by the time we find them, they're getting into something, they're into some mischief. But thats it's natural. A child does wrongly hide. They're usually really quiet. They don't want to draw undue attention to them. I know when I did something as a child, I was hiding or I was running home from school or whatever it was because you were ashamed because you had done wrong. There's a shame in sin today. And we see that Adam and Eve had that shame. In verses 12 and 13, we see that they try to shift the blame. In verse 12, we see Adam shifts the blame um, to um, to Eve, and then 
or actually he blames God. He says, the woman who you gave me, gave me the fruit. And they begin to blame each other and they shift the blame. And they were ashamed of their sin that they tried to shift it around. They didn't want the focus to be on them. And in our lives so often, we try to shift the blame. But we know that one day we will all be accountable for ourselves when we stand before God. And we're not going to be able to shift the blame. We're not going to be able to say, you know what, Satan made me do it. Or my friends, they were just trying to get me to come along and do it. I didn't really want to do it. They forced me to. Or you don't understand my life. You don't realize the circumstances I'm going through. I had no other choice. We have nothing but ourselves to blame for the sin that we've done in our life. And we will stand before God one day. In Romans 14.11 says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we see the sin, we see the shame, but I want you to notice the sacrifice. We see that in, uh, in this passage, that when they had sinned and they realized they were naked, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together to try to hide their shame, to try to hide their nakedness. But look at verse uh, 21. Chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Why was that? They had already sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves, but we see in verse 21 that God covered them with coats of skins. Aprons of leaves that Adam and Eve had made was insufficient. And we see that God had to cover them with coats of skins. How do you think God got that coat of skin? In order for God to cover them, in verse 21, an animal had to be slain. An innocent animal's blood was shed to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. In order for God to make one of those coats of skins, a life needed to be sacrificed. And I love this story because we see it throughout the Bible. We see the picture, the precise picture of how Jesus died for us, how he was the sacrifice for our lives. And that's what I want to focus on uh, next is we saw by one man sin entered the world. But I want you to notice as well how by one man we have redemption through Jesus Christ. So I want to look at the sin, the shame, the sacrifice today and how it applies to our hearts. So once again, I'm going to look at the sin today. In Romans 5.12, as we had already read, it said, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We are all sinners here today. Whether you accept that or not, I remember talking to a kid once, um, out of VBS, trying to lead him to the Lord. He'd raise his hand and come to the back. And he would not admit that he had ever done wrong. I said, you know, have you ever lied? Nope. Have you ever had a bad attitude? Nope. No matter what, I couldn't convince him that he had done wrong before. And I've heard of people that have run into people like that. But for the most part, I would say that people here today will agree that we're all sinners. We've all done wrong. And there's no denying it. We've done wrong before God. And the Bible tells us through Adam, our sin nature has been passed down to us, and we are all sinners. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And we see that the wages of sin is death. The price we are to pay for our sin is death. But our, our God is a holy and just God, and he can't be around sin. We see that when Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross, when he bore the sin of everyone, past, present, and future, what do we see? We see that God turned his back on God. God can't be around sin, and God had prepared a place called hell, a place of punishment that he had created for, the de- for Satan and his angels, but also those who reject Jesus Christ today will spend an eternal separation from God there one day. So we see how the sin affects us today. But I want you to notice the shame as well. And as humans, we, like Adam, try to cover our sins. You know, we're ashamed and we think we can cover our sins by the good that we do. You know, the mentality of today is, do our good goods outweigh our bad? And they picture the scale up in heaven and hoping that one day, as they put the wrongs and the rights, that their good will outweigh their bad. And that's what the world thinks of today. You know, if I could just do enough good deeds, if I go to church enough, or if maybe I go and I volunteer and I try to help some seniors, or if I donate my money to charities, or if I try to do some religious practices, maybe if I confess to this man, or if I get baptized, or, you know, there's people out there that will just have a gambit of religions that they believe in. But our good works aren't good enough. And just as Adam tried to cover their sin and shame with fake aprons, it was insufficient. Rome, or, uh, Isaiah 64.6 tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags. And uh, in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Today when we try to look at our life and we try to consider all the good that we've done, no matter who it is, the Bible tells us that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And just like Adam and Eve, we can't cover up our bl- cover up or blame someone else, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we see that there's a shame in sin today. But I want you to know that there's a sacrifice today. There's a sacrifice. And we already talked about it, why God didn't accept Adam's apron. And we see that, we see this picture throughout the scriptures of um, the sacrifice, and we saw it with Cain and Abel when um, Cain brought the fruits of his labor, and we see that Abel brought what God asked for, a lamb to be slain. And Cain's sacrifice, or not sacrifice, his offering to God wasn't sufficient enough. We see it with Abraham and Isaac. We saw it in Egypt with the death angel, when the firstborn of every child was to die unless they slew an innocent lamb and put the blood of the lamb over the post and that death angel would pass by. We see it throughout the Old Testament in the sacrifices, lambs without spots, that lamb that took the place for someone's sin. And this is all a sign pointing to Christ, our true sacrificial lamb. In John 1.29 it says, Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53.7 it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice. 
We see it in Romans 5.8. It says, But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And just as an animal sacrifice had to be slain to cover the sin of Adam and Eve, so the Son of God had to be slain to take away our sin. So we see by one man, sin entered into the world. And we're all sinners because of the fall of man. We can do everything we want to cover it up, but we'll still be insufficient and we'll find ourselves short of the glory of God. But we also see, praise God, by one man we have, we can have everlasting life. And we see that Jesus Christ died on the cross, spent three days in the grave and rose again. In John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So like we read in Romans 5.19, it says, For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Uh, Brother Meg sang that song this morning about the blood of Christ. Is it good enough for you? And um, as we as we reflect on the one man, Jesus Christ, and what he had done, I think of the the crucifixion story, and there was many people that were there during the time of the crucifixion. And I want to ask you today, with knowing that Jesus Christ, we can have salvation, that he shed his blood for us, I pose the question, what will you do with Jesus? That was a question that Pilate posed before the Jews when he was trying Jesus Christ. And there were several different people that we see in the crucifixion story. And I kind of grouped it into a couple of uh, sections. And first of all, I want you to notice there was people who rejected them. And as I go through these, I want, want you to kind of reflect on these different people and where do you fall in place? So we see those who reject him. And first of all, we see the Jews. Throughout the scripture, we see that Christ came for the Jews. He was the Messiah. He was their king. Uh, it says, Jesus Christ, born king of the Jews, and yet at the crucifixion, at his trials, they had him arrested, they rejected him, they denied his deity, they denied his works, they hated him so much that they cried out the more for him to be crucified. And I ask you today, maybe today you're in denial of God. Maybe you just don't believe it. You see all the creation around you, but you deny him. The Bible says in Proverbs, he says, the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. You know, atheists today, they fight back so hard for something that apparently doesn't exist. And just as Jesus Christ was silent and they cried out the more, the same thing is happening today. You know, people are crying out the more, almost in that same bloodthirst attack of something or someone that they deny. So I ask you today, maybe you're one of those people that fall into that category. Do not reject God today. His blood is good enough for you. We also see uh, Judas. And if you read the scripture, Judas was one of the disciples, and he walked with the Lord for three years. He saw the miracles with his own eyes. He was there for all the sermons. He was probably there having personal devotions with Jesus Christ. And yet we see that he rejected Christ. In Matthew twenty six fifteen it says, And he said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas literally sold Jesus Christ out 
for money. And maybe today you're sitting here and you've gone to church your whole life. You've heard the messages. You've sang the songs. You've memorized the scriptures. And you've played the game for years, deceiving everyone around you. But today you're not deceiving God. God knows your heart. And maybe you're thinking you're better off with the things that the world has to offer. You'd rather pursue wealth or you, you're pursuing a lifestyle that doesn't agree with the Bible. You're just trying to seek what the world has to offer rather than what Christ has to offer. But let me ask you today, at what expense? At the expense of rejecting Christ? What are you trading Jesus for today? Just like Jesus, Judas, he traded Jesus in for money. And those today, you could be rejecting Christ and trading eternity for the temporary of this world. And you know what? Judas took, uh, traded Jesus for that money, and yet still, he ultimately took his own life. And you may sell Jesus Christ out today, but you're only going to find emptiness that nothing will be able to fill. So I ask you today, if you fall into that category, don't trade the temper of this world for eternity. Don't reject Christ. Then also, not so much rejected, but Peter. We see that Peter denied Christ. Peter denied Christ in uh, Matthew 26. We see the account of Peter when he um, denies Christ and he's following Christ from a distance. And the people around him, they had seen him. They saw how, the way he talked. And the world knew that there was a difference. They knew that he was walking with Jesus Christ. Yet still, he denied Christ, even making an oath and swearing that he didn't know Christ. And Christian, I ask you today, do you deny Christ? Are you a person, a different person here today than you are when you leave this place? You know, maybe some of you will go to work or go to school tomorrow and you're going to be a different person than you are today. You know, the world knows that there's a difference in us. They see it. And don't be one of those people that tries to cover it up, that tries to hide that you know Christ. You know, when you go to work tomorrow or you go to school tomorrow and there's people there that are grumpy, they're unmotivated, they're hungover from the weekend still. As a Christian, should we be the grumpy ones going into work or should we be going to work encouraged that we were in the house of God the day before? We should be the ones going to work encouraged and saying, and people say, why are you so happy? And you can have a chance to share with them what God did in your life. Listen, we're being observed by those around us and are we going to stand up for Christ or are we going to deny him like Peter did? So we see those who rejected Jesus Christ, but there was also some people who were neutral in it. Ultimately, they rejected him, but in the moment, they were debating. We see Pilate, someone who found no fault in Christ. He was there at the trial, and he recognized Christ as king of the Jews, and yet still he did nothing with that. He knew Christ was innocent, yet he washed his hands of the blood And maybe today you're like Pilate. You don't deny Christ, but you have yet to accept him. And you think that, you know, church is good, but maybe it's not for you. Or maybe today you're just not sure. But listen, you can know today before you leave this day 
that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Someone can show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Also in another passage, um, it's actually in Acts. It didn't happen during this time, but it was of King Agrippa. And we see in Acts 26, Paul is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And Paul gives his testimony. He goes through his life and he says, Do you believe? And Paul says, I know you believe. And you know what King Agrippa's response was? He says, Almost thou persuadest me. And I still think those might be the saddest words in the Bible. Almost, almost thou persuadest me. You know, and I believe that today if Agrippa didn't accept Christ, those words are echoing with him throughout eternity. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And yet so many people today say almost, almost. You come to church week after week and you're saying, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Listen, today don't say almost. Today don't be neutral about it. People who are neutral are in a dangerous position because they think they're safe. But if you enter eternity to today and you haven't decided, you have rejected Jesus Christ. You know, the, the danger is you think you still have time. In James, the Bible tells us that life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. And I'm sure that all of us could come up here today and tell you about how quickly life ends. Just like that. Stories that we know, people that we know, that entered eternity before they thought that they would be entering eternity. So I ask you today, if you're one of those people, do not leave this place today saying, almost thou persuadest me persuade us me to be a Christian. Find out. And we can show you and make that decision and, dis- and settle your eternal destination. And lastly this morning, I want you to notice those who accept. Those who accept. And I want you to notice the thief. The thief. In Luke 23... Luke 23, verse 39, it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And we see here that this thief recognized the deity of Christ. He knew that Christ was God. Listen, this man was on death row. He had done wrong, and he even himself knew that his condemnation was just. He knew that him hanging there that day with the other thief was his just condemnation. And I'm sure maybe his past wasn't great either. But listen, that day he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He didn't need to be a member of a church. He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need to live his life of service. He said today. And so many people, I have so many family members that they're in that neutral position where like, I know I need to be saved, but there's these things in my life I just want to fix. I want to make this right. No, the Bible says today. Today be saved. You don't make things right in your life. 
You're saved and God will make a difference in your life. You're going to be a new creature when you're born again. God can save anyone today. No matter your past, no matter what you've done, just like that thief there on his condemnation, his death day, accepted Christ despite what he had done. And then lastly this morning, the Bible tells us, for whosoever, in Romans 10, 13, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By one man, sin entered into the world. And we're all sinners because of that. And we find ourselves short of the glory of God. But by one man, we can have everlasting life today. So today, we all have a choice here. You walk out rejecting Christ, You walk out saying, I will not accept Christ. You walk out not making a choice. You know you need to be saved, but just like Agrippa, when Paul says, I know you believe, but he said, almost that persuades me. You walk out here not making a choice, but ultimately rejecting Christ. And we're not guaranteed the time. You walk out as a Christian but live as someone different during the week. Are you one of those people here today? When Jesus shed his blood for you, we should be living for him, just like it was we read this morning. All that we do should be to his glory. Or you walk out today knowing that one day you'll go to heaven when you die, and you will live a life that brings glory to God. So I ask you today, what will you do with Christ? What will you do with the blood that was shed? for you today. Let's pray.